Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. Now that Christmas and New Year's is out of the way, Valentine's Day is next on the list. Sometimes Valentine's Day means chocolate, teddy bears, and roses, and sometimes it means a plot to massacre hundreds of innocent people at a Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada shopping mall. Lindsay Suvanarath would cross the border into Canada to meet up with her online boyfriend on Valentine's Day of 2015. Not for a romantic date, but to enact on a plan that they had been working on for the last several weeks to kill as many people as they possibly could at the mall food court. Now, I actually lived in Halifax when this whole ordeal happened, and it was terrifying to hear about on the news. We're going to talk about the couple, their plan, and how it was ultimately and thankfully foiled. 
Plus, there are new updates in this case from this month, January of 2023, so we'll chat about that too. Let's jump right in. The world can be a lonely place, which is why many people often turn to the internet to find connection with like-minded people. And that's exactly what 19-year-old James Gamble did. While those who were looking in from the outside described James as being a loner and a social outcast, his mother would describe him much differently. I know in my heart who Jamie really was. I do. And, and I, I can't explain what happened to him. Born and raised in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, James was said to be a happy and lovable child growing up by his mother, but things would change when he became a teenager. He became more withdrawn and distant at home, and he had difficulty maintaining his childhood friendships. These are all big red flags. Big warning bells should have been going off in her head. I wish she had killed us. I wish I had known then what I know now. But there was no way that I could have. I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what was out there. His grades slipped and he began to struggle in school, mostly because he was spending the majority of his time in an online world, one where he could be himself. While trying to find friends in different online communities and social media sites, he started to drift towards some really dark stuff. He became interested in guns and homemade bombs. He would spend hours reading about mass shootings, like the shooting at Columbine High School. It became a sick, twisted, hidden obsession that didn't really translate to the real world. Although he was described as a social outcast, while James was in high school, he would meet his best friend, Randall Shepard, who went by the name Randy. Now, Randy had been homeschooled almost his whole life, so attending a local high school was a big shift for him. He found himself having difficulty making friends, and he also became a social outcast right alongside James. The two were basically trauma-bonded from being bullied in high school. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I was always a loner in high school. I'm saying this because that's how people involved in this situation described their relationship, how they were known by those who went to high school with them. Beyond their loneliness, they had a lot of other typical teenage boy stuff in common. They both loved heavy metal music and watching horror movies. But they also bonded over the dark stuff too. They both were fascinated with school shootings, death, blood, and gore. They even maintained Tumblr pages in the subject. Now, if you're not familiar with Tumblr, it's kind of like a mini blogging platform and a social media site. It allows users to fully customize their page and then post these mini blogs. Many people on Tumblr are a part of different fan groups and communities on specific interests. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of really disturbing fan groups out there. I had no idea anything like this existed until I started my true crime podcast. And I started coming across these pages as part of my research. It's kind of a double-edged sword even speaking about it because parents should be aware that these pages, these groups, these online communities, they do exist, but I also don't want to draw any more attention to it. 
It's been over 20 years since the mass shooting at Columbine, and there is still an entire subculture of online fans who are obsessed with the two killers. Sometimes these people refer to themselves as Columbiners, but really, they're just scum of the earth. And they're bored. Either way, these fan groups out there, they exist for basically every serial killer or mass shooter, so keep an eye on your kids. After graduating from high school, James decided to stay at home living with his parents in Halifax. When all of this would go down, he was unemployed and supposedly spending the majority of his time online. Meanwhile, his best friend Randy had decided to get a job working in retail at the shopping mall. Then he would get a job later at a call center. He was trying to be productive, to make some money, and to get out of the house at the same time. But he absolutely hated his job, and I don't blame him. Call centers are difficult. Randy became really depressed to the point of even talking about taking his own life. It was a recipe for disaster. When James and Randy would get together, James would talk about his dreams of carrying out his own mass shooting. Randy, who was clearly despondent, would listen to these stories. And while he initially resisted, over time, he began to become more agreeable to the idea. Randy wasn't James's only friend, though maybe his only friend in the real world. James had also been communicating online with a 23-year-old woman named Lindsay Suvanarath from Chicago, Illinois. The pair had a lot in common, including both of them continuing to live at home with their parents, and they were both unemployed. To me, it sounds like they both had way too much time on their hands. Lindsay had her own blog on Tumblr, where she would share very controversial opinions and racist content. She described herself as school shooter chic, which makes me vomit in my mouth. Her blog was a combination of swastikas, blood, gore, and dead bodies, and then a combination of kawaii aesthetic, including pastels and cute animals. I hope I'm painting a visual for you here. James and Lindsay actually developed a romance over their mutual interests, and they began dating online. They would spend hours sending each other sexually explicit messages and photos through Facebook Messenger. They would also chat obsessively about Columbine and about the shooters Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris, taking direct quotes out of their journals. Together, they decided that they would like to adopt Dylan and Eric's personas to carry out a massacre of their own. They described it as going NBL, which stands for Natural Born Killer, and it's a term that the Columbine shooters used frequently in their own plans. The more the couple chatted about this mass shooting, the more excited they became, and James knew the perfect location. They would target the food court at the Halifax Shopping Center. James asked Randy if he could go there and record video of the different areas of the mall and the food court so that they could better prepare for the shooting. And Randy, well, he reluctantly agreed. Randy would say that he didn't want anything to do with carrying out the actual shooting, but he would help with the planning. Over the next seven weeks, James, Lindsay, and Randy would put together the pieces of a plan to carry out a mass shooting at the Halifax Shopping Center. Lindsay would cross the border and fly into Canada. James would kill both of his parents before she arrived so that they would have total freedom. 
the couple would then lose their virginity to one another. How romantic. As for the shooting, they would wear masks to conceal their identity, and they would borrow a shotgun and hunting rifle from James' father that they would use on the crowd. But first, they would use Molotov cocktails to disorient the crowd. Once the shooting was done, they would use the guns to kill each other. After their death and the shooting, there would be a pre-scheduled Tumblr post that would go live, bragging about the massacre. They described it as their destiny to carry out this plan. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. 
Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Part of the scheduled post read, quote, Perhaps you have already heard the news of a mass shooting in Halifax. This is where you'd expect me to post my reaction to it, but unfortunately, I have no reaction, for I am now dead. My head has been broken apart with a single shotgun shell. James and Lindsay's dark obsession brought them closer than anyone could have imagined. In the pages upon pages upon pages of Facebook messages that they exchanged, they described how they never felt this kind of love or connection with anyone else before. It was almost as if it were fate, according to the lovebirds. In my opinion, they clearly had lost any sense of grip on reality. They were young and impressionable, and they clearly needed some kind of mental health intervention. A lot of what the pair discussed involved them becoming infamous and inspiring others like them to copy the attack. Ultimately, the pair decided that the mass shooting would happen on Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2015, and they named the plan Der Untergang, which translates to the downfall. I'm going to recap their plan now. Lindsay was going to fly from her home in Chicago, Illinois to Halifax, Nova Scotia on February 13th, and Randy would take a city bus to go pick her up from the airport. Prior to Lindsay arriving at her boyfriend's James' home, he was going to kill his parents so that they had free range of the house. In a separate plan, James was going to shoot Randy in an assisted suicide that same day. Then, later that evening, James and Lindsay would consummate their relationship. The following day, on February 14th, the shooting would begin in the food court of the Halifax Shopping Center. The couple would arm themselves with a lever-action hunting rifle, a single-action 16-gauge shotgun, and a hunting knife. Before firing bullets into the crowd, they would throw Molotov cocktails to disorient people, and then they would begin firing into the smoke. They would only save their final bullets to take their own lives. The following day, they would have those scheduled social media posts go live, detailing what they had done and bragging about the whole thing. Now that seems to be the big motivator here, attention and infamy. And while I hate that by talking about this case, I have to talk about the three douche canoes who planned it all, I'm never going to stop talking about the dangers of social media because it's important to me. So this was the way that the Halifax Valentine's Day massacre was supposed to go if everything had gone according to plan. On February 12th, 2015, in the early morning hours, Lindsay would sneak out of her parents' home in Chicago, Illinois, and get on an airplane to Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. She was going to meet her online boyfriend, James. As part of their agreed-upon plan, James was supposed to kill his parents before she arrived. For whatever reason, James was not able to pull this off, so he sent Lindsay a message to let her know that she would have to stay the night at Randy's house because he just couldn't kill his parents until the following day. 
Perhaps this should have been a sign for them to back down and to give this idea up, but it wasn't. Thankfully, that same day, an anonymous tip came into Crime Stoppers, which was passed to the Halifax Regional Police. The tip included the following details. Two suspects had been posting on social media about a plan to shoot up a Halifax mall on Valentine's Day. One suspect, a female from Chicago, was already on their way to Nova Scotia to meet up with the male suspect who lived in Halifax. The female suspect was described as being of Asian descent, around 23 years old, 5'3 tall, and 90 pounds. The first name given was Lindsay, and the last name started with an S, but they didn't know the full last name. They listed the alias that Lindsay would use on different social media sites, and they described her online relationship with James. Whoever called this anonymous tip in said that they had never met James Gamble in person. When investigators got their hands on this tip and began looking into the backgrounds of both James and Lindsay, as well as their social media presence, they knew that they had to act quickly to stop this. And luckily, it wasn't difficult for the police to track down the home that James was living in with his parents. When they surrounded the residence, intending on taking James into custody for questioning, they first spoke with his parents, who confirmed that he was inside, but he didn't want to come out. Police decided to call James on the phone to talk him into walking out with his hands up and without incident, and at the time, he agreed. But he would never walk out. Instead, just moments later, the police would hear gunfire come from inside the home. James had taken his own life with his father's hunting rifle instead of turning himself over to the authorities. This weapon was the very same one that he had intended on using in the mall shooting. While this incident was happening at the Gamble home, Lindsay's flight nears closer to Halifax and she has no idea what is awaiting her when she lands. Randy is already at the Stanfield International Airport waiting for her to arrive. The plan is for her to stay with him that evening, again because as far as anyone knows at this point, James still hasn't killed his parents, so there's a slight delay. Neither of them are aware that James has killed himself in his home. When Lindsay lands at around midnight that evening, she has difficulty going through customs, but not for the reason that you might think. Obviously, her name and description has been flagged, but for some reason, there's no alert raised because of this. However, the CBSA officer who was processing her into Canada found her story to be suspicious. Lindsay had told him that she had a one-way ticket into Canada and only $33 in cash on her. She said she was there to meet her online boyfriend, James, but she had no idea what his address was. Usually, I don't comment on people's appearance because, hell, I'm not perfect by any means. But Miss Lindsay is a trash person, so... The officer questioning her thought that she may have been trying to smuggle drugs into Canada because she had bad teeth and sores on her face that appeared to be similar to those that maybe a meth or cocaine addict might have. Inside of Lindsay's luggage, CBSA officers would find a little bit of makeup, a couple of books on serial killers, and an outfit. The outfit that she had planned to wear specifically for the shooting. While the search and the interview between Lindsay and Customs continues, 
The police move into place to arrest both Lindsay and Randy, who was now sitting in the waiting room area. Both are thankfully arrested without incident, putting an immediate stop to their plan. Every single big and little thing that these three individuals had planned for this massacre was documented in writing, which would make the prosecution's case much easier. Additionally, Lindsay was smart enough to spill everything she knew in a conversation with an undercover police officer who was posing as just another prisoner. Her face lit up as she detailed what she was going to wear during the shooting and how they were going to shoot themselves like two star-crossed lovers when it was all over. Lindsay Savannah Rath and Randy Shepard were both charged with conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit arson, illegal possession of weapons for dangerous purposes against the public, and making threats over social media. The courts were able to make the very clear distinction between the very active role that Lindsay had played in the plot versus Randy. For this reason, Randy would plead guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and be sentenced to serve 10 years behind bars minus time that he had already served, which left him with a little over seven years left. While his sentence doesn't technically end until 2024, as of now, Randy is out of prison. He is regularly monitored, and he's living in a halfway house, and he is also banned from the internet, which I think is best for everyone. As for Lindsay, she pled guilty to charges of conspiracy to commit murder and conspiracy to commit arson. She was half of a couple who was determined to carry out this murder plot, so the courts saw her role as much more serious than Randy's. For this reason, she was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for 10 years. She tried to appeal her sentence, citing it as excessively harsh, but she lost her appeal in May of 2019. The judge believed she got exactly what she deserved. But I would love to know what you think about that. In this instance, she didn't actually kill anyone. Would she have gone through with the shooting? We will never know. But some believe that a life sentence is a little too much when she hadn't actually gone through with the plot or killed anyone. As for her boyfriend, James, he likely knew that he would be spending the rest of his life in prison for his role in the plot. He was already suffering from depression, and he was clearly anticipating taking his own life anyway. I feel terribly for his parents. They had no idea what was going on with their son at the time, but they likely see all of the warning signs now looking back. I'm going to end this episode with a quote from Lindsay Savannah Rath, who is now 30 years old, and she is still behind bars. She left this scribble note on the back of a Sudoku puzzle a couple of weeks after her arrest. And I share it not because I want to give her any more kind of attention or infamy, but I think it really highlights the delusion that these young adults were experiencing. She said, quote, It is a strange feeling to meet someone and almost immediately know that you ought to die with them. To James and I, it happened simultaneously. At first, we were casual acquaintances, having discovered each other's Tumblr blogs through a mutual interest in the Columbine shooting and in national socialism. Less than a month later, we were planning our deaths. I was to be his Eric Harris, and he would be my Dylan Klebold. We trusted each other instantly, behaving as if we'd known each other for years. We must have known each other in a past life, I said half-jokingly. Eventually, I realized that we really were Eric and Dylan, 
their minds having taken refuge in our bodies sometime after their demise in 1997. For most people, we're able to distinguish between a decent person who is worth idolizing and an absolute monster whose face should be forgotten. But for others, particularly those who are lonely, vulnerable, and looking for connection and community, I mean, they're at risk for being targeted by these groups and for failing to see how twisted this kind of thinking is. I'm just so thankful for that anonymous tipper, whoever they are. They likely saved a whole lot of lives. Because I truly believe if these three were given the opportunity, they would have carried out the Halifax Valentine's Day Massacre. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out my Patreon page for more exclusive content at patreon.com slash Serial Napper. Or you can check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Until next time, stay safe. Stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye.